Development Authority Infrastructure and Transportation Committee meeting. Due to the COVID-19 health emergency, board members are participating in this meeting remotely via video conference, and they are participating in the same extent as if they were physically present. Public comment will be available for each item on the agenda. For members of the public who wish to make public comment, the phone number to use is 415-655-0001. The access code is 187-023-3522. Then press pound and press pound again. When your item of interest is called, dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments. You may address the board once per agenda item for up to two minutes. Item number one, call to order. Director Richardson? I'm here. Director Sen? Here. Director Dunlop? We do have a quorum, and for the record, Director Prochnik is also on the line. So let me, uh, I apologize, uh, you're calling from phone, I'm having, you know, WebEx uh, router, uh, problem today. However, uh, the show must go on, and I'm glad that Commissioner Feishan uh, is on board, and she'll be helping also to guide uh, this meeting. And so, uh, thank you all, everyone that are joining in very early uh, this morning. Thank you all. Okay, Kate, uh, please move on to the next agenda item. Item number two, general public comment. This item is to allow members of the public to address the Infrastructure and Transportation Committee on matters that are within the subject matter of jurisdiction of the authority and do not appear on today's agenda. In addition to general public comment, public comment will be held during each item on the agenda. We're seeing no public comment. Thank you. I'll go to the uh, next agenda, please. Item number three, consent agenda. 3A, approving the minutes of the March 16th, 2020 meeting. Commissioner, it's been a long time. Can we approve? Yes, um, I move approval. Okay, and I second that motion and all in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. Do you have to do a roll call, Kate? Yeah, I'll do a, a roll call. Director Richardson? Oh. Uh, yes. Director Sen? Uh, yes. And there are two ayes. Item number four, update from Treasure Island Mobility Management Agency on WIDA, TIMA, MOU. Okay, thank you. Uh, it's been a while since we saw TIMA, and so please uh, welcome and uh, give us please an update on where we are. Thank you for being here today. Sure, thank you, uh, Director and Chair Richardson. Good to see you again and hear from you and all the directors. My name is Eric Cordova. I'm the Deputy Director for Capital Projects for the San Francisco County Transportation Authority. Um, and I'm here to update you on, frankly, a very exciting uh, por portion of the uh, transportation program, which is the ferry implementation. And Bob, thank you for helping me in terms of being able to pull up this, uh, this slide deck. So I can go to the next slide, Bob, which is really our agenda. I wanted to go ahead and update you on really the transportation program, a little bit over the overall goals and an MOU that we are imminently going to execute with uh, the Water Emergency Transportation Authority. And then really get into more detail as it relates to a, a study that we are currently preparing as it relates to a ferry service here from uh, Treasure Island to uh, San Francisco. 
and Bob, if you don't mind, just the, the next slide. Thank you. Uh, just just uh, real quick in terms of us revisiting the mobility goals, the incentives here are to um, have folks go ahead and travel via transit, walking or biking as much as possible, um, and, and discourage the use of private cars um, through the tolling and paid parking that is part of the program. Most importantly, trying to meet a 50-50% uh, transit walking, biking mode versus driving private vehicle mode. So um, the, and, and go ahead, Bob, next slide's fine. Um, the map that um, shows here is our intent right now, and we're gonna focus on the ferry service and discussion, but just a quick reminder, we're also chatting and working with our partners to the east, the uh, AC Transit, um, AC Transit in terms of establishing transit service to and from uh, the East Bay, working with SFMTA in terms of the existing service and increasing service in the future to San Francisco. There's a plan for an, an on-island shuttle. And, and most importantly, today's topic, which I think I think we're all, everyone is excited about is basically ferry service from the new ferry terminal that is under construction and nearing completion untold uh, to San Francisco. Next slide, please. I wanna talk first um, about the, um, an MOU that we have crafted. We've been working for the last, I'd say three to four months with the Water Emergency Transportation Authority, with TIDA and the development team to in essence uh, prepare an MOU which would establish the framework of a coordinated effort to plan, fund, operate, and administer ferry service to and from the island. The goal is frankly a zero mission vessel ferry service. We think it's attainable. It's something that we are all striving to work to, towards in that regard um, and working closely with, uh, with WIDA in the, in, from that perspective. Uh, on May 6th, just a couple of weeks ago, we were in front of the WIDA board requesting approval of the MOU and it was approved 5-0. So they seem very excited also in terms of the opportunity here that lies ahead. Our intent is to move it to the TIMA board for approval um, in the June timeframe. So next month I'll get, and I can advise Bob and the committee here in terms of the specific dates so that you can have a little more clarity. We're st we still have to establish the, the TIMA committee as well as TIMA board meetings. Next slide, please. What I wanted to do is just go through quickly the study scope just very quickly in terms of the service planning, the operations analysis, cost and fair revenue analysis, the timing of all of this, that this is all work that is yet to be completed, um, but uh, we wanna go ahead and complete here, frankly, this summer. So next slide, please. Right now, um, task one is really taking a look at the demand and service plan for the island. Um, we're referring to potentially two services here, what, what would be classified as an early service plan, um, seeing what we could do as early as next year, knowing that the uh, ferry terminal is uh, gonna be opening soon. Um, so we've been working with WIDA to establish whether or not that's a possibility. It's something that um, they have an existing fleet of vessels that given the pandemic, frankly, uh, probably could use more usage um, so we've been talking about them regarding that. And also most in, probably in really a large focus being on the ultimate service plan. When we have the ability to access and obtain electric vessels and have more call it uh, need and demand on the island, which will be in, the, in, a, you know, in, the, in a few years once the island continues to build out. So um, both of those are two of the major 
issues and items that we'll be reviewing here over the next few months and are doing that right now. Uh, we're also gonna establish what we consider is uh, taking a look at our peer agencies, not only in the Bay Area, but other parts of uh, the United States so that we can get a better sense of how they might approach ferry service here overall and learn, call it a best, uh, best practices lessons learned. Next slide, please. You know, under task two, that's really the, uh, op, you know, uh, in-depth operational analysis, service plan alternatives. We are focusing, frankly, on smaller boats because it's such a short run between um, the Treasure Island Terminal and San Francisco Ferry Terminal. When I say smaller boats, we're talking about boats probably in the capacity of 149 to 199 passengers with uh, very high frequency. Right now, the thought process is, is that we would have every 20 minutes ferry service back and forth, which we think is something that is attainable. Um, and, but as always, there's a cost associated with that. What's the operations and maintenance cost? So those are all the issues that we will evaluate here as part of this study. And we were gonna go ahead and that, that starting about this month and into July, we really will start to delve into the specifics of that. Next slide, please, thank you. Um, cost fare and revenue analysis. Um, estimating capital costs in particular for charging infrastructure. Right now, there is no uh, electric, call it vessel or charging infrastructure either on the Port of San Francisco that we're aware of or on Treasure Island. But with Treasure Island under development like it is, we think this is a, a very uh, great opportunity for us to include that as part of the overall package here. Um, and we think also too that we can be successful in obtaining grants for this type of infra charging infrastructure. Um, then there's also the vessel itself, which um, would be frankly a first of its kind here in the Bay Area. So uh, we think there's a tremendous opportunity here. Um, then we're gonna be taking a look at the ferry structure, working with WIDA in that regard to establish a ferry structure uh, for, for approval by, um, by TIMA as well as by WIDA in essence, since they would be the uh, public agency um, implementer and carrier of the ferry system. And we'll see that happening towards that summer time frame. Task, uh, let's go into task four now too, because I just want to advise you that we've, you know, we've established, I think, a very good working relationship with WIDA here, um, starting to coordinate with the Port of San Francisco in terms of the specifics of where a boat would or might go ahead and dock. And then also look into some of our other uh, partners here, in particular, the Golden Gate Bridge Transit District, because they operate ferries too. And we wanna make sure that as part of any, what I indicated before, kind of peer group that we're getting some uh, potential lessons learned uh, from their end. Our hope is to go ahead and complete this effort. Um, and frankly, we are on schedule to complete the effort by the August timeframe of 2021. So that briefly is um, an overview of uh, where we're at today in terms of ferry service planning. And I'm open to any questions that you might have. Thank you. Yes, thank you again. Uh... Mr. Cadaver, for being here, I'm going to yield to Commissioner Patient to ask questions, and then I will have some questions for you as well. And thanks for that uh, presentation, uh, Commissioner Sharon. Faye, you're on mute. Thank you. Thank you so much for that update, Eric. We've been looking forward to your report. Um, and hearing about the ferry uh, service, because that's such an important link between Treasure Island and the mainland and the ferry building. 
and and it will be such an exciting event when that opens because it will allow more mobility for the residents, but it also will be able to bring visitors to the island. And so um, very, very important link in our overall transit plan. Um, you said that you'll finish the study by August. Um, when will you be able to report back to uh, this commission on the results of that study? Um, my thought process is that we should be able to report back no later than August. Uh, maybe we can do a touch point before that. I'd work with Bob in that regard. Um, so that's the thought process. You know, the one of the things I did for, fail to mention, my, my, uh, my apologies, is that we're also looking at what's called interlining of existing routes that WIDA has, for example, from, from Alameda, to see whether or not there's a synergy there that makes sense and that can work for us, so, um, or at least for the island. So um, just want to let you know that that's also part of the service planning effort here. Excellent. So that there's other points in the Bay Area that will have access by ferry to the island. Yeah, so yeah exactly. And, and, and the other thing, too, is part of a study that the, the, there's a lot, another component of the study that actually looks at different touch points along the waterfront. Mm -hmm. So we're pretty excited about that, too. But we see that as kind of like phase two of the study after the August time frame. Um, but we will be um, at least delving into the potential there because we've heard interest from others that, hey, it would be nice if we had some type of a waterfront ferry service along, uh, along the waterfront there. So um, we don't want to ignore that thought process and keep that in mind as we uh, embark on our work. No, that's, that's absolutely great to have more connectivity all along the bay and to have access to Treasure Island from various different points. So um, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, and, and I um, would like to ask when you do the analysis, this is something that we've mentioned um, frequently before when it comes to the ferry service, um, the, um, the boats and their size, but also whether they handle bicycles. So how do you, how do you bring passengers who want to bring their bicycles to Treasure Island? And, you know, certainly we've a lot of effort and um, and capital into creating those wonderful bicycle lanes, pedestrian lanes, but certainly bicycle lanes as well. Um, and what is the planning for the the storage of bicycles on the ferry? Right. Um, right now, um, we definitely understand that that's a large component of this effort. In fact, we're pretty excited about the entire bi bicycle connectivity. Um, we envision bike sharing and uh, at with uh, at at the transit terminal where folks can store their bike if they'd like for sure. Uh, we think we I also think that uh, electric bikes are are now at the forefront here much more than they were in the past. That that that's something that we need to also plan for as part of our overall TIMA programming. The issue as it relates to being able to bring bikes onto the boats is one just the question of how long it takes to load and unload and the ability to where, where to actually put them. So we have to be able to take a look at all of that as we do this work and we will, okay. Well, um, so I'm just asking that you really do pay attention to that element. Um, these smaller vessels, I don't know how much um, they can accommodate. Um, and I've noted this before, but um, a good one thing is to look at other other places in the Bay Area that have um, a lot of bicycle activity, and certainly Sausalito is one of them. And when you look at the numbers there, and I hope you will do that analysis, 
um, they were at one time getting about 5,000 bikes a day. And so I, I don't know what the volume will be. And certainly you'll have rental facilities on the island, but still I would not underestimate the desire of bicyclists to come on and how do we accommodate them? And, and you're right, you know, the difficulty is certainly the loading and the unloading, um, but, but it also has to dovetail with the ferry um, terminal um, platform as well. Um, so I, I look forward when you come back to have some answers on that so that we can um, gauge, you know, the effectiveness, um, but, but certainly that should be in the planning. Um, Definitely we'll do that. Yeah. Definitely we'll do that. That's why we want to make sure we coordinate with Golden Gate Bridge District for lessons learned in that regard, Commissioner. But, Thank you. Um, the other thing is I applaud you for looking at the zero emission vessels. That is something which maybe even five years ago um, would not have been a possibility or, um, or something to be considered. So I'm glad as we are um, building the ferry terminal now uh, for Treasure Island um, to look into you know, those, the ability to, to charge. Um, I imagine they're electrically charged. I don't know if they're solar, they're solar chargers. Um, do you know those? The thought, process, the thought process right now is electric charging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. But, but that's a wonderful um, um, progress, you know, to be able to think that we might have ferry service and that um, the emissions would be zero. That's, that's absolutely great. Um, I, those are the comments that I have for now. Well, thank you, Commissioner Shen, and to everyone. This is Linda Fidiki Richardson. Unfortunately, um, I'm calling, uh, attending this meeting from the phone. Um, Mr. Cardover, I have some questions uh, for you as well, and it's it's very comforting uh, from your opening statement that you now have a very robust uh, relationship with WIDA. I think that it's uh, very significant. I know that that agency has had a change uh, in organization structure within uh, last year or so, and so this is really great. At some point down the line, um, this committee would like to invite with uh, and host, and so that we can um, use the opportunity to probe about what else is going on, and so we can, um, you know, host uh, the new, you know, director, you know, in there. Uh, the first question uh, for for me um, has to do with the uh, zero emission vehicle, and you mentioned, again, that um, no one in the region has had this, so tighter is the first. And you mentioned about the, there is currently no charging station, so uh, what can we uh, begin to embark on to make sure that we have this um, electric, um, you know, charge station that will be based and the planning processes acquisition of equipment and all of that. I would like for you to um, shed light on that. That's my first question. Sure. Um, yeah, no, you're very astute commissioner in that regard, uh, director, that um, as part of the development here, and since you have all the new infrastructure coming in, it's so important that we go ahead and make sure we're planning for and doing the appropriate engineering to understand what we 
must do to charge uh, uh, vessels like this, as well as charge uh, the electric type vessels that might be coming from you know other forms of transit. So we're going to work with 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 the uh, Trezon Development Authority and with the development staff to make sure that we do that planning now. I think that is a major that is a very important area for us to be able to show, in particular, to WIDA that hey, listen, we can charge the vessels here. Because right now they there there is none of that capability within their system from what we understand, and that the, but they are planning for it. So we believe that that's an important item here as we move forward and embark in the uh, in the, a long term relationship here with with WIDA, and uh, we're, we're starting that work already in terms of planning for that. Yes, we would like to be heavily involved with that, and this would be great. It's an economic opportunity, and also be the first. Uh, in the region and probably everywhere that we look into our land use master plan to really allocate a substantial places whereby even people from Oakland can come in and charge there and we can charge them. Uh, another way to uh, make revenues, another way again to promote the island about sustainable um, transportation, uh, innovation, and so this will be significant. and. Uh, another opportunity to provide, um, you know, business opportunities also, and so yeah, this 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 is a very very exciting, and again, it is part of this development of the island, and we keep telling people everywhere we are doing things here that nobody in anywhere, and that you know has ever done, uh, alluding to the innovation, and the leads platinum, and sometimes. It would be really great, and I'm going to even challenge you, Mr. Carver and Tilly, uh, sometimes to write op-ed and let people know how we are treating our transportation out here, how we have, you know, uh, our infrastructure. We have the bicycle commission of fish, and we're just talking about that. I mean, what we are doing, uh, Treasure Island. A lot of people are not that, so we are model uh, into doing that, and sometimes as part of our educational outreach, uh, we need to let people know about that. Uh, second question, uh, we would like to look at the MOU that you said on May 6th, that this MOU was approved, and so it's now moved to the TIMO board, uh, maybe uh, to Director Babek, uh, can we have an MOU to look at? Uh, sure. From this committee? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We I actually have already provided Bob the uh, packet that went on May 6th to the WIDA board, and it has an attachment, which is the MOU itself. And Bob and the development team have actually looked at this also, so they're aware, but yeah, more than happy to make sure you take a look yes, at that. Yes, please. All these agreements that are, are done, and we would like to uh, firsthand even uh, be to look at them and look at this MOU to see uh, how the obligations are outlined and pertinent issues and for uh, historical and also, you know, for uh, the management of that. So please, as soon as we can have that, that will be extremely uh, very important. And then, yeah, if please, if you could have the before August, it would be great. And I know you're working very hard, so we know that. And Anytime you have any of this information, and um, you know, make sure that um, we will, you know, get that uh, to us. There are pending issues that I know are no candidate for today's discussion, 
but we'll be remiss not to touch on, uh, you know, basically maybe not in detail where we are with the tolling. And uh, so, uh, you know, our next meeting we would like to entertain, but just to tell us briefly what has transpired since uh, it's been a long time, you know, just for the public to let them know that we are going to, uh, you know, put that on our full calendar. But can you tell us briefly in a few sentences what's going on with the uh, tolling? I understand there are uh, significant, uh, you know, welcoming uh, things on the way. Yeah, what we're doing right now um, is going ahead and we've had some outreach with uh, with the public, with the businesses to, in essence, what we, we've been working with them on what we're calling uh, co-creation sessions in terms of better understanding their concerns as it relates to tolling and making sure that we craft an affordability plan that works. So we've had those meetings here as of late. So we anticipate coming to the TIDA board and our TIMA board in the, in the late summer, early fall of this year with recommendations here based on what we have um, analyzed as well as input from the public. So that's where we stand as of today. That is extremely great. And I know that SFCTA outreach is on March by anybody you are out there in the community. So yes, please, it's an item, uh, action item. So let us know uh, what kind of progress you are making on that. And uh, third and last question that I have is, where are we with the seismic upgrade with regards to Caltran? Are we moving forward? Is that, what are the issues and how can we be of help here to move the dial? Great, thank you for that, asking that question. Right now, I do wanna update you on what we refer to as the Westside Bridges Project, which is basically the retrofit and replacement of the bridge structures on the west side of the island. We have completed design for that project and we are making requests to the state of California for additional federal highway bridge program, seismic retrofit funds. One of the issues that we've encountered is that that program is, is frankly oversubscribed. So in essence, uh, not enough money to go around if just in, in layman's terms, right? So we would appreciate any support that you can give us in terms of uh, working towards, uh, we've been applying for funds in different pots of money. We've worked with Bob for letters of support and we will be coming to you for support in that regard for, so the, for the final funding of that project. Because it is a project that in essence is shelf ready, ready for construction right now. Um, and we're talking about close to overall all in when you include the construction management administration, close to $100 million worth of improvements along that west side. So we are working with the state to obtain additional funding, but we believe that it's gonna take more than that. It's gonna take a mix of us working with um, our partners here in the region, um, as well as the state and the federal government to obtain the final funding for it. Yes, uh, this is significant. We cannot complete uh, development of uh, Treasure Island, Yoba Buena Island without that uh, seismic upgrade. It's, it's just that. And I'm glad that you are mentioning this I think uh, this matter needs to be as, you know, escalated and with the city helping us, all of us tighter, uh, we stand with you. We would like to move the dial. It, uh, our development right now, uh, Yaba Buena Island, you know that uh, the housing construction 
and all of those things are going on. You just mentioned about the ferry and all this wonderful transportation improvement, uh, seismic, that stretch, <laughs> we, we cannot even. So, uh, you know, it's 100 million. Uh, we heard about the infrastructure uh, federal grant, and we also know that the state of California right now has uh, some money that they can look at. And I know that we have uh, very, uh, you know, people at the state level, uh, including our esteemed governor and uh, legislatures that also know the significance and sign on on Treasure Island. And so, and they know that you cannot do anything without the seismic upgrade. That's just the bottom line. And it's such a very dangerous uh, thing. If we do not do that, we cannot have people on the island. So, yes, please uh, keep us informed. And I'd like to say from this meeting that um, talk to us here uh, and that, you know, I'll talk to Commissioner Peshen. And I know that our director, Bob Beck, is, you know, on top of this and been working uh, diligently. Thank you, Bob. And we would like to um, escalate this as soon as possible so that um, we can get the powers involved and so we can resolve this. There is a timeline issue involved it's because it's 2022 is right around the corner and we are not doing that. Again, it's a setback in our milestone. So thank you. Um, we would like to talk to you um, after this meeting and Director Tilly Chang and uh, Commissioner Peshen and Director Bob Beck and to see how we can enlist the city and the state uh, to help us with this, I'm sure. Okay. And Thanks. Director Richardson, this is Julia. Can I ask two questions, please? Sure, please. Go ahead. Hi. Thank you. Good morning. Thanks, Eric, very much for the presentation. Um, I've, and I'm really excited about the electric ferries, and I know that they're in Europe and other places around the world, so it's great that we're bringing them here, too. And I, in one of the plans that I saw, the, the ferry has the electric bikes right by the ferry. Like, there's some different stations set up. Are, have we considered a charging station by the ferry dock that could kind of be used for both the ferry and bikes and cars? And, and actually, we're we're having we're doing that and taking a look at comprehensively all of the need as it relates to call it electrical charging infrastructure. So we should that be part of the plan, which is to look at the electric bike charging to take a look at what the vessel would need for a ferry, um, and even the potential for the uh, other type of transit uh, charging that might be needed on the island. So we have to take a look because right? we have an in my opinion we have a rare opportunity here to to appropriately plan for it because it's a little more difficult when you have to do it say call it on the san francisco side where there are a lot of obstacles you have to deal with good, good point i'm excited to hear this are you looking at a micro grid or some type of backup power system on the island to make sure that there's always a full charge that's local um that's something that we are, um, frankly, I need to bring that forth in terms of our mindset here and seeing how we best go ahead and plan for any uh, potential backup system, et cetera. So we've, uh, we're just at the infancy in that regard. So that's something we need to, uh, I appreciate that comment. Thank you. Yes, I'm excited you guys are collaborating with SFPC. There's a, there's a ton of different initiatives and federal dollars for microgrids, and this is like a perfect demo that we could have some financial assistance to. So thanks for that. And the, um, the other question I have is on equity. You know, with the ferry system running as much, are, is there going to be a, a kind of tiered system for residents of different incomes where they can have benefits to do the ferry so that they're 
not incentivized to drive the car? We're, we're definitely looking at the equity and the affordability aspect of this. I know that WIDA also too has recently embarked on the same, uh, with the same mindset. So we'll work with them in that regard to establish a program here that uh, accounts for and, uh, and is responsive in essence to some the need in that regard. So. No, thank you, Eric, because I, I think your point on responsiveness is so important as the city really kind of brings all these new components that are expensive. Um, how do we measure affordability and you know our, our vision of you know clean energy future with also making sure the costs are affordable and equitable? Sure. No, great. I did want to mention just one final point that we've already established a good working relationship with the Air Resources District. I think there's opportunities here for grants here on the zero emission side across the board. So um, that's something that we're uh, working uh, diligently as part of the overall plan here. So as both um, Commissioner Shannon and Commissioner Richardson just said, can you add this to the remarks when you come back on, on the partnerships and kind of what is being able to either be financed by the city or, or by other grants from CARB or by the USDOE to help implement all these great ideas? Yes, definitely. That'll be part of, call it, the uh, the financial side of the house here. When we come back with uh, draft recommendations or alternatives here, we'll make sure we include that. Thank you so much. Really appreciate all the work you and your team are doing. Great. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Commissioner. <laughs> Julia, I, you and I are calling from phone. Any question, uh, Commissioner Shen, before uh, we uh, let Mr. Carriver go today. Do you have any other thing to add? Commissioner Shen? You're muted today. Thank you. No, I don't have any more questions. Thank you, Eric, for that report. And we really look forward to hearing again from you in the fall when you finish your analysis. Thank you. Thank you. Again, Eric, uh, we wanted to, uh, as always, your agency is top notch. And I'm sure at least, you know, audience uh, know that and want to thank you again. So this is exciting. Uh, we'd like to entertain you as soon as possible, and especially with the planning of this charge station. And so uh, thank you uh, so much. Let me ask you, uh, Kate, are there any uh, public questions? Uh, to, so ask Mr. Cordova before we let him go. There is no public comment. Okay, thank you again, Erica. Look forward to seeing you. And um, next thing on the agenda, please. Item number five, wayfinding signage update. And Lauren Stahl from um, CMG will, will give this update. Good morning. Let me just share my screen before I begin the presentation. I don't think you're seeing my presentation. Hold on one second. There you go. Okay. Can everybody see that? Yes. Great. Okay. So good morning. As Bob mentioned, I am Lauren Stahl with CMG Landscape Architecture. So I'm here this morning to give a recap of the wayfinding signage program, following up on some tied up board meeting, uh, board meeting presentation that I gave uh, for the end of last year. So I want to give a recap of the approved wayfinding signage program and then also give you a preview of the first couple of interpretive signs that we have planned for Yerba Buena Island. So just as a reminder, um, 
the CMG worked with Hunt Design, a wayfinding signage um, consultant, on the signage master plan back in 2015. And that plan was presented and approved by both the TIDA board and the San Francisco Arts Commission. And so that, that plan is really our guiding framework still. Um, we got a little, we developed a little bit more detail after that. So we took the signage to what we consider a 90% design level where we set locations and the types of signs and some draft information. And then they've largely been on hold since that point as the, we've been waiting for the project to kind of catch up and be ready. Um, in October, I came to the board and presented the first um, YVI parks names and then also gave you a, a brief recap there then of the signage. And I know that there were some questions around uh, accessibility and also the bicycle wayfinding signage. So I'll go into a little bit more detail about that today. Uh, we gave that same presentation in December to the cab and then today I'm here to follow up and then I'll talk a little bit more about next steps of the signage after. So as I mentioned, the signage master plan is really the framework um, that's guiding everything that I'm showing you here today. Um, and that was reviewed and approved by the board, you know, several years ago, back in 2015. And so a lot of the signs that you'll see today are actually still kind of from this um, master plan. We, the goal is um, uh, later this year to develop the final design and content of those signs. So um, right now they're kind of just in this early planning concept phase and we'll come back with the final graphics, but the signage master plan does set the kind of look and feel of the signs um, and, and the content that will be included. And as I mentioned, we worked with Hunt Design. They're a nationally renowned signage designer. They've worked on projects with the National Mall and then also local projects with the um, Golden Gate National Recreation Area. And that master plan, as I mentioned, sets the materials and colors. It sets the types of signs for different users, like the motorists, bicycles, and pedestrians. It sets um, kind of, uh, first concept locations. And then it also discusses code compliance and universal design and accessibility. And for the master plan, we looked at uh, precedents from great projects around the world. And then we also took inspiration from the kind of colors and materials of the San Francisco Bay for the signage palette. And this is what the um, signs will look like. So, you know, the content is obviously just draft, con uh, draft but uh, the concept and what's really unique about these signs is that uh, the content will be on one side of the sign, so you'll have your wayfinding information on the front, and then on the back there's opportunity to include art or other interpretive um, information about the history or ecology of the island. And as I mentioned, they're designed for a range of user types, so there's signs meant for pedestrians and then other scale signs meant for uh, motorists and, and bicyclists. And we know that the TIDA board really prioritizes accessibility and set very high standards for accessibility. And so we've been working closely with the Public Works Accessibility Director and also met with agencies like the Lighthouse for the Blind in developing the program. So, um, you know, we know that we obviously need to meet code, but where we can, we really want to exceed that and do um, as best as we can, making the signage program as accessible as possible. Uh, so some of what we've learned is that actually one of some of the best things you can do are really the most simple. So that's making sure that the, um, the, the text and font on the side is large and highly visible and that there's a high contrast of the message to the background. And then it's also the placement of the signs is really important. We want to make sure that we're placing them um, in spots that are easily visible. And then they also need to be adjacent to accessible pathways and accessible materials. Um, so that people with mobility impairments are able to use the signs. And then we also want to make sure that they're always at a comfortable height for mobility impaired users. 
We'll also be including universal icons on the signs, and those are really important for accessibility and ease of understanding, but they're also important for international visitors and um, residents for whom English is not their first language. So you can see some examples of what those icons look like, either whether it's calling out different program that's available, like hiking trails or restrooms or regulatory signs like no smoking. And other accessibility features that um, could be incorporated um, are things like um, push boxes that will read the text of signs, um, the transit stops could have push buttons that call out the next trip. And then there's also technologies like tactile signs. You can see an example at the bottom. Um, and some of these won't be incorporated quite in the first phase since the first phase of the wayfinding signage doesn't include the shuttle stops yet. So that will come a little bit later. And then in speaking with the signage experts, the tactile signs aren't so easy to you know, change quickly. So there's something that we probably want to incorporate once um, the major construction detours are, are finished. So we don't want to put those in and then have them be inaccurate. So that's something that might be a slightly later phase of the signage design. And as we locate the signs around the island, we really want to make sure that we're um, looking at the circulation routes and placing them in the you know, key locations where people can make wayfinding signage decisions. Um, so um, starting with the arrival at the ferry terminal, how we greet people as they get off, how they go through the main routes through the retail and historic district, as they go around the Bay Trail and waterfront destinations, and then the range of parks and other programs we want to make sure are called out very clearly. So the first um, one of the first signs that people will encounter as they disembark from the ferry will be this digital display. So this is right in the waterfront plaza. So this is a large digital sign that'll be programmable and easy to change. So it'll have up-to-date information um, that can be swapped out on a regular basis. So it'll let people know things like transit information or the latest events that are happening on the island. So it'll be kind of the first stop for people planning their visits. And then from there, at a lot of the key park entries, we have these large banner signs that call out the park name, and then we'll include maps that will help people orient themselves to the island and to nearby destinations. And as I mentioned, we're working with the signage consultants um, to make these panelized. Here, they look like one sign, but we're working on a three-panel system so that that map can be swapped out as the island is built out over time, since we know that you know, over time, the, that map will change quite a bit over the coming years, and we want to make sure that we're giving people the best information that we can. And then the bottom of that sign will be a place where we can use those icons and other um, information to help call out program and amenities that are available nearby. And as I mentioned before, the back of those signs can also be used for additional information like interpretive um, or historic information about the area. There will also be more simple wayfinding signs around the streets that just point to destinations and help people navigate between the various sites. And signs that call out the easiest or accessible ways to destinations. So getting into building one and finding the um, accessible pathway down to the beach will be called out as well. And then importantly, the trails have a little bit different standard that we'll be using. Um, and this is, um, uh, these standards are recommended by the American Access Board since um, trails include a range of different difficulties and obstacles. So we want to make sure that people know what to expect before they start out on the trail. So those, um, at the um, major trailheads, the signs will include information like the length of the trail, the surface type, whether it's concrete or compacted earth, um, the typical width of the trail, the slope of the trail, and the cross slope. 
And those signs will be at some key uh, points around uh, the trail system and will look something like this. So it'll, it'll let people know what to expect before they um, go down the trail so they can make the best decisions about which, which paths to use. And all of the uh, signs and locations that I've called out so far are really part of the first phase of the project, but obviously this is a many year project. And so um, it, we, as the project is built out, additional signs will be included as, as in the later phases to help people find those as well. Um, then uh, bicycle wayfinding signage has its own best practices that we um, are incorporating. So the best practices for Bicycle wayfinding signage includes things like um, including the distance, both the distance and the time to the destination, so people know kind of what to expect. Uh, it's best to limit the signs to two to three destinations since people are traveling fairly quickly on a bike and don't have that much time to read. Uh, the signs include bike icons so that um, it's really clear who the intended audience is. And then similar with the pedestrian signs, we want to make sure that they're high contrast and easy to read. And I think, as was mentioned earlier on this call, we do have a lot of really great bike facilities on the island, and so we want to make sure people know how to find them um, and, and which ones to use. So we looked really carefully at the circulation and the different um, cycle tracks and the bay trail that wraps around the island and the different facilities in the streets um, to make sure we're clearly calling out um, where people um, should be or which, which um, bike paths people should be using. So the bike signage will look something like this. Um, we're including them at really major uh, entries and uh, decision points. So that's uh, there's a, going to be a sign as people come from the causeway onto the island that helps point them to the best bike routes. As people are leaving from the ferry plaza, it'll point toward the um, different cycle tracks. And then where the different bike facilities meet. So there's one, I don't know if you can see here, where the cycle track and the bay trail split at Cityside Park, kind of letting people know which, which route is, will lead them to the various destinations. And again, on Yerba Buena Island, there will also be signs at key decision points and entry. So if people get off um, onto the, off the Bay Bridge on their bikes and as they come across the causeway and at some of the major intersections, letting them know which, which direction to go. And there also are a few regulatory signs letting bikes know um, to prepare to walk their bike or where, where they shouldn't be riding. So at the ferry plaza, we'll be a more congested pedestrian environment. So that is going to be a, a bicycle dismount zone. And again, with the pedestrian, like the pedestrian signage, what I'm showing now is just the first stage of the signage. And as the project is built out, there will be additional signs. And finally, um, the first two interpretive signs are in early concept development right now. So interpretive signs are a great way to teach people about the history or the ecology of the island. Um, we envision these to be done in a lot of different styles. So we have different landscape architects working with the science consultants to design them so that they fit in the context of the different park spaces where they will where they'll sit and they'll, they'll become a range of different um, styles that people will see. So the first um, sign that we are planning is about the Port Chicago trial. And so that was the um, important trial that happened on Yerba Buena Island following the um, Port Chicago disaster and mutiny. Um, and then the trial that followed that and the public outrage led to the, it was one of the factors leading to the desegregation of the Navy. And so that trial occurred on Yerba Buena Island. And so we really wanna make sure that that um, important event is called out and that people know about it. 
And that sign is being planned for um, Infinity Point, so that's the western point on Yerba Buena Island. It's being designed by Hood Design Studio, who is the landscape architect of that park. And they're working, they will be working with the Treasure Island Museum on the content of that sign. And right now the concept for the sign is uh, to have metal panels. We can see them here affixed to the remnant water tank um, at that major overlook um, at Infinity Point. And those signs are positioned so that as people are reading the signs and learning about the disaster and the trial, they're looking in the direction of Port Chicago in the East Bay. And you can see where those signs will be located right adjacent to the main overlook at Infinity Point. And then the second interpretive sign that we're planning on Yerba Buena Island is about the habitat management plan and the island stormwater treatment. So we know we have a range of great, um, of diverse habitat types that are existing on the island and that we're working um, with the San Francisco Department of Restoration projects for. And we also have a really innovative stormwater treatment plan in the park that is treating the runoff from the streets and development parcels. Um, before it is released back into the stormwater systems. So we want to teach people about that as they're, as they're looking at those basins. And that sign, um, we're actually, CMG is designing that sign and we'll be working with the San Francisco Department of the Environment on the content for the sign, especially as it relates to the habitat management plan and all the great restoration work that they're doing out there. And so we're, you know, you can see we're just in the first ideas and development of both of these signs, but we'll be um, working on them more throughout the summer and then coming back to you with more information, showing more detailed designs and content of both of those signs. So the next steps for the wayfinding signage, um, throughout this next summer, we'll be working with Hunt Design and, and Hood Design um, and the different city agencies to uh, finalize the signage graphics. We'll be returning to the board to review those with you. And then after that, we'll be looking for a fabricator who will develop the shop drawings, which are the more detailed construction drawings of the sign. Uh, those shop drawings then get submitted to the city and also to BCDC. So the city will be asking for a city permit and then BCDC will review the Bay Trail and Shoreline Access signage. And once we get approval from them, the signs will be fabricated and the first wayfinding and interpretive signs will be installed on Yerba Buena Island in early 2022. Uh, so that's everything I have for you today. So I'm more than happy to take any questions you might have. Thank you so much. Uh, again, uh, this is Linda Siddiqui Richardson and Colin on the phone. Thank you again for that uh, wonderful presentation. Uh, first up, I'm going to, uh, it, it, I think it would be really great uh, to have uh, for members of this committee uh, to have the uh, information. I was looking at the old one that we have, so I could make a comparison and um, would not be able to do that. So please, um, we would like to look at these uh, plans that you uh, presented today so that we can really go item by item. That's the purpose of this committee is to really be able to uh, look at things uh, very closely and so that, you know, we can uh, guide, uh, you know, the process. So that's number one. I'm going to yield to uh, Commissioner Shen and then after her, let Commissioner Pochnik and then I will ask my uh, specific uh, questions. But again, uh, thank you for the uh, presentation. So Commissioner Shen, please go ahead with your questions and comments. Uh, Lauren, um, thank you so much. That was an excellent presentation. And you have 
been before us before, and we have given you our comments along the way. And I'm glad to see that the many suggestions that we've made to improve the bicycle signage, to um, address the ADA issues, all, all of that certainly has been incorporated. And so I very much appreciate that. Um, th there is a, perhaps one comment that I would like to make, um, you know, and that is about the interpretive signage um, and what an opportunity there is right now for us to incorporate um, ways that actually teach our youth as well as just various visitors who come to the island about the ecology, about, um, well, certainly the history you have with the um, Port Chicago trial, you have incorporated that, but um, also about the natural environment, about science. Um, I, I find that um, when you have these interpretive signs, people can learn more about their surroundings um, and go deeper into you know, uh, what they see there. It, it, it is a really a great way to educate. Um, and I wonder whether you have um, touched base with groups such as the Exploratorium, which has really done quite a bit along the other side of the waterfront on the mainland side of the waterfront um, they're doing uh, various interpretive signs, but I think that they can do something for us which goes beyond um, because they so much um, involve, um, you know, signs into it. And I think particularly for the youth um, and for the youth who live on the island to find out, to learn um, about what is there on the island would really be great. So, um, and you know, I'm not saying just the Exploratorium, but perhaps also the Academy of Science. We've got institutions um, on this in our community, educational institutions that perhaps could be brought in to give um, more uh, information and to give you insights into what can be done. Um, in fact, I think the Exploratorium um, has done really um, some great look on um, putting in field stations where signs are so that you can measure things over time, uh, whether it's wave action or air quality or wind directions. You know, I, I think that there's some things that can be done in a very um, active way. And so perhaps um, you could look into that. So um, other than that, um, I think that you've done a great job um, and I appreciate the work you've done so far. Thank you very thank you. much, thank uh, you. Commissioner Chen. Commissioner Porchnik. Yes, thank you again. Um, appreciate, Lauren, the update, and thanks for taking all the different suggestions and incorporating them, as um, Commissioner Chen said. I have a um, question about, on one of our last board meetings, Lashanda brought up the, um, the local, the community center and all the kids working on projects about the Native Americans that lived on the island and in the area, and maybe changing some of the names and having more of their input into some of the discussion. Has, have we coordinated on those efforts and have we started looking at the different pieces to work in some of the local knowledge into some of the signs and wayfinder components? Um, it's something that we have just, sorry, a little bit. Sorry, a little bit. <laughs> uh, it's 
it's something that we've just started to do. So we're we're in the very beginning process of looking into that. Okay. Look, I'm sure we'll get a look forward to an update with all with all additional information we receive from from them and and how it can change some of the signs. So thank you. Thank you. Sorry, Linda. Can I say one more thing? I just um I just remembered the the very beginning of Lauren's presentation. She mentioned the electric sign and I was wanting to flag again, you're gonna need electricity to power that sign and that hopefully from the previous presentation, if we could set up a microgrid or some kind of energy station near the ferry terminal where that sign is gonna be, we can always ensure that that sign will be readable. Otherwise, when the power goes out, that, that sign's gonna go out. And if that's gonna become a main center focus, we gotta make sure that that's powered either by solar or some clean energy that's always on. In, in fact, um, Lauren, the, um, the solar uh, power of, of those digital signs, um, is that something that you've looked into? I don't believe we have. I know that some of the um, smaller features, like the uh, bus stops, uh, where you have the audio buttons or the audio buttons and the interpretive signs, some of those I know can be powered by solar. Um, we can look into the digital display. Uh, I think right now it was anticipated it would be, you know, powered off the island electrical grid, but that is a good suggestion of something we should look into. Good. Thank you. Thank you again, Lauren, uh, for the wonderful presentation. And again, uh, we would like to get uh, this full presentation. I'm sure there might be uh, other questions. So let me dive in, uh, accentuate the educational aspect of this signage, yes, it's about everything. Uh, Treasure Island, Yerba Buena Island are living laboratories and we have all these uh, engagement with the schools and it, it's a learning center. So I think it's very important. Also in the design of some of the art, arts on the trails or wherever that we intend to get the youth involved. And I envision a lot of field trips, not just from San Francisco's, you know, kids, but from all over the region, from all over the places uh, coming to Treasure Island. And why? Because we are going to have open uh, spaces and, and parks, and they are going to be so. This is extremely important. One thing we have been accentuating on before, and uh, commissioners mentioned, has to be digital. And I'm thinking here, uh, in relevance to the ADA compatibility, uh, the visually impaired people in that cities, in the region, they also are very sensitive about those um, constituents. Uh, we said earlier on, and I know you've incorporated uh, some of the ideas to make sure that whoever you are, you come to Treasure Island, you'll be able to enjoy. And especially for people that are visually impaired, on the bike trails, on all of these other places where they land on the island. We need to go the extra mile uh, to really accommodate their needs. Uh, all of us here on the mainland in San Francisco, through all these years and decades, we observed how limiting, even in a very so-called progressive city like San Francisco. And again, the development of Treasure Island is unlike any development, is to show the world how we could be innovative and do things differently. These projects allow us 
to go beyond the call of duty to really show how people could live and live well. So I would like at some point again uh, to look at where all the digital um, signs are, whether they are voice activated and what they look like uh, in relationship. If I'm driving, you know, riding my bike along the trail, uh, what kind of measures do we make in there to let there might be people also on the trail uh, for me to look at? I think that would be really great. I know you have to um, help us to uh, put all that together. So uh, we're going to look at that. I'm also glad that you're working with the uh, Treasure Island Museum for the Port Chicago. Yeah, this is a, a great piece. And so at some point, we would like to also see uh, what you all come, you know, come out with. That would be extremely uh, uh, very important. And lastly, uh, I know when are you planning uh, to uh, come before this committee again? Uh, when are you going to be going to production for the first phase? We will be in production probably toward the end of this year. So the plan is to work on the more detailed graphics for the signs and the information about on those interpretive signs. So re reaching out and working with the other organizations to finalize those. So our plan is to return to you um, probably later in the summer to review those in more detail. That would be great. And one of the suggestions here that the Exploratorium, they are doing wonderful things. Uh, all these agencies are our partners because what we've done is look at all the agencies, uh, you know, even city agencies like the Commission on the Environment, and we have the Exploratorium. All of them are doing things that we wanted to also uh, incorporate and work with them. So please uh, take that advice, uh, you know well and see how, um, you know, we can um, look at what they're doing and so how we can all, you know, collaborate uh, together. So I would like to entertain you again uh, by that time. And again, it's always great to have the presentation so we can spend time to look at that. Um, it makes, uh, you know, uh, the, this committee is about, you know, the knowledge there. Everything that you said today are really great, incorporate a lot of stuff, but there might be things we do not want to miss that, you know, working together. So if we could have all this presentation um, ahead of time, it would be great and it makes our job easier when you're explaining and we can add the appropriate question. So uh, thank you again for all the work TMG has been doing all these years and we look forward to hosting you again. And now I'm going to ask the public to ask questions before we let you go. There is no public comment. Okay, there are no public comments. Again, Lauren, thank you again. We look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Kate, next thing on the agenda. Yeah, item number six, discussion of future agenda items by directors. Commissioners, are there any uh, Discussions, I think, uh, for the next agenda, of course, uh, some of the issues we touch about today, I will uh, leave that to, you know, Director Beck and, um, you know, based on his negotiations with um, Tima and all this, you know, to inform us on what the agenda should be. So that's no problem. Okay, Kate, on the next thing on the agenda. It's meetings adjourned. Well, thank you, Commissioner Chen and uh, Pushnik and uh, Director Bob Beck.
and Kate and all the members of the public and uh, watching us today. We look forward to seeing you soon. And uh, this meeting is adjourned. Thank you all.